0: Welcome to this second 3-Minute Trend Talk of the new year. I'm Mark Scheffler, CEO and founder of Appleton Group. Well, with 2022 now behind us, it's time to look forward to what this new year could bring. In the previous episode, I made a powerful optimistic case for the Bulls, but now it's time to turn to a very convincing and pessimistic case on behalf of the Bears. As fiduciaries, it's our obligation to present both scenarios objectively and without bias. And as fellow investors and participants in the same Western-style free market economy, we certainly would prefer the optimistic case for the markets in 2023. Who wouldn't? But of course, that's not up to us. That chapter is the most desirable, but it might not be the most realistic. So now the case for the bears. So the case for the bears is this. The markets are in a no-win situation. Decades of stimulation, unnaturally low interest rates, and the worst kinds of unsustainable growth have created the biggest bubble in the history of humanity. This decade marks the end of more than a century of the growth economy and a transition to a new and very different well-being economy. More than 100 years ago, the U.S. Federal Reserve set out on a path to intentionally make the domestic economy bigger, much bigger, By controlling the amount of investment capital flowing through the U.S. economy, the Fed could create a slow and nascent amount of inflation that would underpin an economy that got bigger and better at the same time. It would create the conditions that would incentivize investment, that would demand workers, and that would bring tens of millions of citizens out of poverty, which it did. It would also break the natural ebb and flow of inflation and deflation that had existed for centuries in the Western world. I say natural because the system of the time had a more natural flow to it. When prices would increase, demand would drop, bringing prices down in a very natural way, which would then spur demand again, and the cycle would start over and over. It worked, slowly and inefficiently, but it worked. But the Fed's intervention system has a fatal flaw in its design. There is no plan for growth to end. In order for the Fed's system to work, human activity has to continue in a kind of ceaseless procession. And it has to be fed, pun intended, by more and more capital, more and more stimulus, and more and more debt. There's good evidence that the peak efficiency of the system was marked in the mid-1980s. That's 40 years ago, and the period of economic expansion since then has been largely artificial. Well, why 40 years ago? Well, it marks the start of the declining slope of interest rates following the last period of large-scale inflation, and the start of massive deficit spending to accelerate growth into a shorter period of time. These are the two most powerful forces in capital creation, along with technological innovation. Here's the evidence. According to the U.S. Treasury, since 1980, federal debt has increased from $914 billion to $31 trillion now. That's a 31-fold increase. And since 1980, the Fed's balance sheet, how much money they allow in the system, has gone from approximately $300 billion to more than $8 trillion. That's a 26-fold increase, according to the U.S. Federal Reserve. These policies have ensnared billions of world citizens into a kind of stimulus trap that is now going to be very difficult to unwind without significant and unavoidable capital destruction along the way, like was started in 2022, just last year. Additional stimulus is impossible. It'll just create more inflation. And reducing debt and unwinding the Fed's bloated balance sheet is necessary. Higher interest rates on our national debt this year could skyrocket annual payments to more than $800 billion. That's larger than the total defense budget. And that'll likely require higher tax rates at a time when the economy is naturally slowing on its own, which is a most unwelcoming pairing of events. And so to avoid a worst-case scenario with our debt and two strong labor markets, The Fed will have to control it to raise rates much higher, and they're going to continue it for a much longer period of time than they had thought at the start of last year. Consumption has to slow down. Construction has to slow down. Economic output has to slow down, and that comes with a cost to capital. The latest two economic recessions, uh, exception for COVID, took the stock markets down by 45%. That was 2000 through 2002, and 55% from 2007 to 2009, there's no reason to believe that because the markets have become more sensitive to a slowing economy, this time could be any better. Case closed. And in the final part of this case for the Bulls and the Bears, I'll lay out why flexibility will be key in 2023. So until next time, this is Mark Scheffler, urging you to never miss a turn.